Hey everyone, welcome to Britain to Ship It, episode 9, the podcast that talks games and making games. I'm Chris from Madison, Wisconsin, and of course with me as always is Adam from the home of the stapler. Chris, you keep getting better. <laughs> like I, I feel like the sentence could have been a little longer, but you know, I feel like that, that kind of just sums it up. Can you imagine the world without the stapler? I couldn't. Or the Minneapolis. stapler, the staple remover. So changed oh, that boy. too. I wonder if they made that. That wasn't part of the thing. Oh, really? I, was oh, it? No. Was it? Is this a three M thing? They seem to be all over that type of let stuff. Let me uh, let me look at these notes again. Maybe it's some random inventor, dude. Oh boy, I yeah, I cannot confirm. I mean, maybe by next week we'll I'll I'll find out for us, but cannot yeah. confirm nor deny at this point. So uh, you been, what's man? up? What's new? Yeah. Oh, just looking up Minnesota facts. The huge. How about you? Okay. Uh, well, I let's see. I I got my tooth fixed, and so this has been a, a nine month thing or ten month thing. Had a past uh, crown break. Actually, it was at oh, like man. Protospiel last year, basically in Madison. So it's been since then. Jeez, and I've that's been wearing been a while. It, like like retainer thing that just sits in my mouth, and so now I feel like I'm able to enunciate so much more. Wait, so. was this before we went out or after we went out for that pizza? Uh, this was, it, it wasn't at Protospiel, but like, that's when I, when I think it was occurring because I, on the way home, ah, I had I like a Triscuit okay. in, in, in the car and it was like, crack. Yeah. Like, I was oh, like, oh no, no. I've been pretty bummed if like you just powered through this pizza and I didn't even know about it. <laughs> it <laughs> was not the pizza. enjoy it. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> so that, that's been nice. I mean, man, I, I don't know who would have thought like some procedure can take like up to nine or 10 months. It's crazy. It's crazy. It blows my mind. Yeah. I you guys, I uh, to... oh, go ahead. go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say all I've been doing is avoiding mosquitoes, but. Oh, not, yeah. Is it, we is it as bad up there. Uh, we've been dry. The last week's been um, wet. We actually had some water in our basement two nights ago. Oh, uh, no. So, but not bad. Not bad. And it just, you know, came in the cracks. So uh, oh. we'll, we'll fix that up. So, you know, that's you always find thing. interesting things with houses after you've yeah, lived in a year or two. Yeah. Ugh, it's my worst nightmare. Can you imagine? I actually, um, the Madison area had a lot of flooding recently. Yeah. Um, so I actually like consciously moved my board games up off the ground. Just yeah, higher, higher ground, right? I mean, there are some on the ground, but those you are the ones build, that like, build I the yard. Upset about. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, you know, it's like, oh, well, there's only so much shelf space. And it's like, well, I like this game, but if I lost it, it'd be okay with it. Right. Uh, yeah, one I of mean, each board game, bring them on your arc and you're set. Yeah, I think that's the how that story went. Yep, and then Noah gamed for years. <laughs> <laughs> Unknown um, Bible tale. We just <laughs> so Adam, what have you been playing, man? Uh, so I okay, so uh, a lot of games. Um, uh, recently it's been Truck Off the Food Truck Frenzy. Uh, that's really a great game. It is a fun game. Um, I played it a ton, uh, but I really enjoy showing new people. And I, I just love it when, you know, they kind of light up and, and afterwards, you know, they, they say, hey, that was a lot of fun. I mean, it definitely works better when you have uh, people that know each other because they like beating up on each other. A um, little, little bit of take that in that game. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's just a lot of fun. People, you know, people are always surprised that there's a food truck game out there. There's actually a few of them, but I always, you know, I'm always interested to see like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. A game about food trucks. Yeah, I think uh, we talked about this 
um, a couple episodes ago about how how do you like market a game and things like that. Uh, and that's kind of where we are at with Truck Off right now, right? We're trying to just get more people in the know about it. And honestly, I think it is one of those games where once you play it, you go, oh, yeah, this is fun. Like this is, totally. this is a good time between friends. Yep, it's it's a great filler, two to six players. I mean, not not there's not that many games out there that play that that player count, so it 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 does well there. Now, another game that is kind of a filler that plays that player count is called Between Two Cities. Great and, game. Uh, broke that one out recently, and and that was a lot of fun as well. Um, I was teaching I think four new people, one person that had played it before, and then me. So we had a lot of cities going, um, and every everything was really competitive. We actually got to I think the tertiary tiebreaker in this one. Uh, which oh, wow. I had never gone that down that road or gone that far into the tie breaking scenario. The cities, the scoring in the end of the game tends to be very tight. So in this game, you are drafting uh, single tiles. You draft, I think, three of them. Or sorry, two at a time. One goes yep. to your left, one goes to your right. And you build a city Correct. with a player to your left and you build a city with a player to your right. So you need to talk amongst yourselves kind of after you make that choice yep. and figure out where those tiles are going to go. So it's three different rounds. The first round is single tiles. The second round is domino tiles. And the third round is back to single tiles. It's yep. it's really neat. Um, and and I do like this is one of those games that has kind of a collaborative element that I, I, I do like. And I, I think it actually makes sense here. Well, I think you're missing the kicker um, in that. Isn't it that you score your worst city? Right. That's a kicker. And that's why the scoring ends up being so darn close, because there are so many people that are right. right you share a city, so you score together. And so. Um, you know, in fact, like a lot, like almost all of those um, player pawns are going to be two to a score. And if you hit on the same score and now, boom, giant tiebreaker scenario, it gets pretty crazy. Yeah, it's such a genius mechanic because then it, I mean, obviously it stops you from just like making one super city. So you have to be like, OK, I have to make both of these cities pretty good. Yep. And um, you want to try to make them equally good. And obviously, if you go too many points in the one, but. Yeah, um, it's my really, one, really interesting. My one criticism on that is it's not intuitive uh, and it's not easy to understand uh, Which for the part? first time you play. Um, they, like the, the lowest of your two cities uh, wins or is, is your score. Like that's to me is not intuitive. And I, I think it gets the message across. Um, one thing I was playing around with just in the brain was like, well, why don't you just average things out? And I actually sent the, the designer a message on this. He gave me a cool response. Um, you know, cause he was calm, collected and thought this through, uh, but I don't think you know, average makes any sense. Yeah. Fair enough. Like, what, what, <laughs> I mean, like, why wouldn't you just like build that doesn't stop you from building one super city? Well, but will that still, will, will that win you the game? I don't know. I mean, I, I think it, it becomes a different game and you could potentially have a little bit of like, um, mismatchiness and, and that's, I think what the designer probably responded to. So, I mean, trying to, the whole idea is to like. I mean, I think the like the whole kicker of this game is that. So to like remove the essence of it, like you're working together, but you need to work together well with both people. Like, sure. Sure. Saying your lowest thing is like may not be intuitive, but like it's not a incomprehensible statement. No, it's not incomprehensible. I just know that every time I teach this thing, like. When I'm when we're going through the scoring, there's always this, oh, that's how that works. And, and and it's weird because the people that are winning are not the people that are in front. And to me, visually, that that just does not work in the game. In, in, in like the concept, I think it all works. I, I like the game a lot. 
but from from a visual um, and design intuitiveness like that to me misses um but it doesn't hurt the game because i think the game is done really well and do you um, say it halfway through the game as well no no i, I mean it you again explain, you explain you're this. teaching it bad well you explain at the beginning yes I, I but I don't think you really talk about scoring in that game. Um, well, all you have to do is just have the game is remember, like, hey, don't forget you score based on your worst city. Like, so, so golf okay. rules, am I right? Like, just Nit, say that nitpickiness. I, I really, again, I really, <laughs> really like the game, but nitpickiness. You you bring out this oh, giant man. score uh, tracker at the end of the game. That's like sure, sure. Many times I, I as big as all the that. other components in the game. I'm like, yeah. what is this? A football field? And uh, then you move your pawns up, you know, you, you move your scoring tokens up the football field. Oh, man. And, and uh, I just, I, that that to me is another potential slight misstep in the game. That being said, I do really like this game and I will continue to, um, you know, show it to people and play it. But, you I'm know, it, it just makes you like, re- makes you think about publisher decisions and why a thing is a, is a certain way yes, and that's design decisions. And so I think it's fair to like push push the envelope on some of the games you're playing. You're like, well, why did they do that? You know? Yep. Well, it's kind of funny because I actually had that exact same thought working with the um, Starcrafter games. I'm like, look at this scorecard. It's so big. But it's kind of funny. Same thing. Totally. But, but really. it is it is one-third the size of the Between Two Correct. Cities one. You're right. So it is yes. a uh, one-third of a football, football field. Maybe I a least... children's football field. <laughs> a flag football field. Flag football field. Um, <laughs> I'm interested to see the um, second one of that, the... Mad King Ludwig crossover. Have you seen That's that? Right. Uh, yeah, I have. I've heard the announcement. That's pretty cool. So, a lot about me. What have you been playing, Chris? Um, as I kind of said, um, a little bit of Sword Crafters. Sweet. Um, just kind of getting that to the table. Um, that obviously is, again, another full disclosure. Um, that is our game type thing. But, um, I mean, we don't need to go too far into that because, you know, we know. You build swords. And outs. You build You're swords. Awesome. It's awesome. You have time of your life. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I recently got uh, one of my one of my favorites of the game, Role Player, um, by Thunderworks Game. Um, I don't think we mentioned this. I should probably scroll up to see if I had before. I don't think so. I don't think so. But yeah, this is a great game from another um, Madison designer. So um, it's awesome to see other local people crushing it. Um, this is by Thunderworks Games, um, and it's just such a clever game. Um, it's a a series of dice get rolled and you are trying to roll the best um, RPG character that you can. So instead of R O L E R O L L player, pretty funny stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are just taking dice, placing them into a slot, trying to get um, a, a sum of that row to equal um, your goal. So it's like, Oh, strength. You need to get, 18 strength and you have three dice so you're like oh, okay well i need all sixes obviously or you need to get um int for your um, barbarian so you want that to be lower so you put lower number dice in that row so there's a lot of give and take um it's a i mean it's just it's just a really great game with a really clever theme so really happy to get it to the table very cool yeah i like that one too um, so yeah, I guess we can just kind of transition to um, our our next segment. We do we do not have a um, a pitch this week, but um, we just didn't have time to get one in. So, um, but that option is still out there. So please feel free to reach out to um, us via email, Facebook, um, Twitter, all those things, and um, send us your pitch. Sweet. 
So uh, the the segment we're going to talk about is just what have you been working on? So we, you know, we're, we're busy peeps and we want to keep our Adam's Apple Games publishing uh, and design moving along as well. So we have projects uh, moving forward. So I'll go first on this one. So mm-hmm. I've been put, putting a lot of time working with Ryan Lambert on a game design called Planet Unknown. Um, we have... We have not made a big announcement about this one, but we have uh, had run, we've run Gen Con events. This yep. is this is a game that was started uh, maybe two to three years ago, starting actually getting artwork for it really really early in the process. Yeah, um, it, it, it's inspired by like StarCraft meets Tetris. That's kind of the, the inspiration for it, and I think it's still it has changed a lot, but but I think it is you know it definitely has gotten much 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 better, and I think it still harnesses that short pitch of starcraft meets tetris I think so, so. I still... recently we locked the design on it that's a freaking huge moment in a game's life where you're saying like hey we're done like we might make some tiny little tweaks here or there but we feel super confident i i, I literally feel that i could bring this game out to anyone and and they're gonna really like it right now um 3d modeling has been a, a big deal so we're we're working on some componentry that and we're working on scaling up prototypes so we need to get get our um you know, thermal form ready for the for the game, right? So we're kind of like using 3D modeling to get to that first stage of thermal forming. Yeah, I mean, this uh, game's got a pretty big ta- table presence, right? It's, so, oh, it's huge. Everyone has uh, a everyone has a whole planet, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, how big is the board in front of everyone? It's I mean, and I'm... it's six players, and it plays in like forty five minutes to an hour. Or so, the board in front of everyone is about twelve inches by twelve inches, so it's yeah. big. And there's a 12 inch by 12 inch thing in the center as well. So the, I mean, it all fits in the box really nice and tight. A ton of stuff inside. It's going to be yep. a big box, heavy game. A lot um, of table presence. And we expect this one to be a 2019 Kickstarter. Uh, and and we just want to make sure that we do our due diligence in terms of the manufacturing, um, all of the componentry, uh, and then marketing as well too. I think. A big thing you know you can miss on with with this business is just not doing your your legwork on the marketing side of things, and we, we kind of yep. felt that a little bit with Swordcrafters. Like that game rocks; it it is crushing it right now. It's got hype. Um, it, I mean, but we just like we didn't crush the Kickstarter, and so yep. it just goes to show you, you know, like you can always market it more. Yeah, yeah, I think. I mean, I, I know I keep saying this, um, but maybe this is just this just needs to be the next topic of our our next episode is just like a, a big postmortem on like that project. Yeah, we can do that. I actually have a um, I've, I've given a few postmortems uh, speeches in the Twin Cities on it. All right, we'll just record one of those and we'll just we'll post do. It. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so I mean, Planet Unknown has been um, doing. Uh, I mean, it's been a lot of work, um, and you you have been putting in a lot of. Um, effort into like figuring out what this looks like um having this big table presence and trying to make that work and having um a thing in the middle um that gets spun around for people to select from i think is a very interesting mechanic and modeling that out is um it's awesome to be able to like oh i'm going to design something and now i will 3d print it and (laughs) make it make it into something that could exist in the world and, and the prototyping process has been very creative. I mean, we're trying to source things that keep the cost down for prototyping, mm-hmm. but also get us to much closer to production quality stuff really quick. Um, and we also have a pretty cool uh, announcement that we haven't leaked yet on Planet Unknown. So um, keep your eyes, keep your ears peeled for that. Um, 
and awesome. we think it is going to really up the production value of the project. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's no spoilers today, but um, just taking a step back on that, I think one huge thing that um, has gotten way cheaper and cheaper than ever and is awesome for prototyping is 3D printing. So Totally. Um, I mean, people out there, I mean, Adam and I both have the same monoprice maker select printer, but um, there's a lot of different options out there that actually you can do relatively decent minis or just meeple type things or um, I mean, whatever type of table presence you need to <clears throat> design. And I mean, for relatively cheap, like cheaper than I'm worth. I think I saw a deal for 175 bucks for the printer. So totally yep. um, something worth investigating if you're um, looking to go. Yeah. It, and, you know, one more thing to tack on there is like it, it takes time to print stuff. Um, yeah. But you can you can make it what you want. Like uh, I was printing the other day and I was like, I need to join two pieces together. How am I, how, how am I going to do that? You know, and, and like with my limited mm-hmm. like crappy workmanship or um, wood like woodworking skills, I'm like, well, I could c- cut a slot and like I could do this. And I'm like, wait a second, I could make a dovetail. That's one of the best yep. uh, joining methods. And that's super easy with a 3D printer, right? Yep, strong. It just opens up a complete new uh, landscape of design, which is really fun. Yeah, and I, I think that kind of goes into our next bullet point for sure. Um, um, I think we kind of mentioned this last week. On, I mean, we talked about abstract games, but um, the game we've been working on for a while, well, we've been trying to get ready to publish, is um, a Lotus-themed game um, that is 3D printed. So in, Currently in the realm 3D of printed. To- Currently 3D printed. Yes, currently 3D printed. So it's awesome for prototyping because this was a game like as soon as we both saw it, we're like, oh, we could just print a ton of these. Yep. Great for prototyping. Um, so the current current stage in this one, this is in the design. This is in the publishing queue. Um, hoping that this one is on Kickstarter as well early 2018, but all, you know, TBD on getting all the marketing and art done, all that stuff. But um, we're ramping up 2019, correct? Yeah. And uh, just ramping up prototyping again. Um, the design brief is out. We're, we're starting to see the first sketches come through on artwork, which is cool. And we've had a big, big, big um, you know, effort on finding the right title and picking a title. Titles are tough, man. Holy really crap. Tough. We could do a whole episode on that. We went back and forth on this for so long. <laughs> what kind of theme? Okay, if we're in this theme, then what would the title be? Does this title fit that theme? Does this title fit the like what you do in the game? Like, oh yep. my gosh, back and forth forever. And, and you have to check how much SEO is out there. Um, if, yeah. if you type in, if it's going to, you know, have some urban dictionary response that is like, yes. you know, <laughs> we had, the wrong I, I don't know remember what it was, but we had one that was like, this is a good one. And then you look it up in urban dictionary, you're like, well, we can't do that anymore. Nope. Okay. That's off the book. Highly and, recommend looking into that if you are looking up names for your game right yep. now. Was there another video game or board game? How does the BGG search look like? Is it on Kickstarter? Like all these things you need to look at, you know, do you, can you own the domain? Blah, blah, blah. You know, you name it. We can go on. Yep. Um, it's very important and it is, um, it's tough. It's just, it's one of the toughest things. Yeah. I think um, kind of what we were saying at the beginning of this um, is that one of the things we really learned this year was to just kind of get our games out there marketed a little better. And I think that's what we're kind of, doing better with this like we can have it we can make we can start getting it to a complete form and then start setting it out to a wider group so when we go to that kickstarter it'll be a little bit more successful i think that was a pretty big lesson learned from us from this last right 
Right. And it's always tough with a two player game, right? Like you're not yeah. going to get six people's eyes on it. You're just going to get one or two people's eyes on it. But we're able to send out so many prototypes and scale faster, I think, on this one, which is cool. For sure. Um, yeah, compared to a sword crafters where prototyping was not. <laughs> sword crafters prototyping was a Hail Mary. Yes. My gosh. I would, <laughs> I would never do that again. That was crazy. Uh, so the next thing, uh, so on Sunday morning, I actually met with um, Yakimo from uh, the last episode. We talked about their MOBA uh, design pitch called Sky, Sky Tear. Tear. And I played a version on Tabletop Simulator. We played about for an hour and it took me like 15 minutes or 30 minutes to learn the rules and you know mm-hmm. get coffee and all that kind of stuff. So we run, um, they were in Italy and I was in Minnesota and we were gaming and um I, you know, the time to be alive, I, huh? I had fun. You know, it was cool. Like, so it, it was a cool thing. I, um, I'm, I'm really excited to see how that, where, where that one goes. And it was just fun to interact with someone from the podcast. Uh, and I hope to continue to do that because I think that is that that's just how you give back to the community and how you become part of the community and and just, you know, meet, meet new people. Right. Network. Yeah. And you um, had a lot of really great things to say about this game and um really said it was probably up my alley so i'm hoping to um run into them at essen this year and get a get a crack at it so that's right we need to do an essen episode by the way i'm oh, writing yeah. all these down as everyone we're everyone get excited essen's coming essen's um, coming. cool so i mean um one of the things i've been working on recently outside of just spitballing random ideas and saying this is a really good game and then just kind of not getting to it um is how to play videos so nice hopefully by sn we'll have two new how to play videos for sword crafters and truck off um our last how to play video for truck off i mean sword crafters was based on um prototype copy so i think just getting the actual final version in there will just up the production value a huge um step forward yeah this is a big learn from experience moment i mean if you can get closer to final components before yep. you uh make your how to play videos you only have to do it once Yes, uh, it's really I, funny because I'm watching the original video now and I'm like, oh, OK, I'll just do that shot again and I'll just do that shot good, again and I'll do that shot again. And it, it was it was a great video and, you know, it, it did the job really well. Um, how to play videos are not cheap either. I mean, if you ask someone to make them for you, like your your minimum to do that is 500 bucks plus and yeah. and like sure they have an audience, but like the people that really are finding the how to play videos are the ones that want to like they have the game they want to learn it they just want yep. to watch someone so they, they don't yep. really care who's giving them the content yeah that's um, true I, it's kind of funny i don't think I've, i watch how to play videos for games i want like, right right not as often it's more of like oh i already convinced i want this game and i usually I have it, it. Right. yes exactly that's oh, really i never thought about that that's really interesting well if anyone needs me to make a how to play video i'll take i'll do it for 4.95 so there you go um <laughs> so but, so then um, man, we've had a ton of stuff going on. The next one for me is um, I organized over the past month uh, a Twin Cities meetup. Yes. So this is a three times per month at a brewery. It's called Board Games in a Brewery. If you're in the Twin Cities, uh, you should definitely check it out. We're on the West Metro side, hitting up three different breweries in town, um, Steel Toe, LTD, and Unmapped right now. And I may expand that if it goes well, but we're starting to get like 10 plus people per meetup. And just awesome. playing a bunch of games, um, playing some Adam's Apple game stuff, but also playing some other local publish- publishers games and some Madison publishers and, you know, just spreading good stuff around. It always amazes me. I mean, how many games there are out there, right? But then how many people have not heard about like a local publisher's stuff? Yeah. Well, it's kind of crazy. Um, like how many, uh, how often you, like even just like 
the things you find in your backyard of like, oh, a restaurant or this store. Like, you know, it's 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 kind of funny because like for you and us, it's like, oh, this is like your day to day. But for someone else, it's like they live their whole life and then like, oh, yeah, cool. This is the thing I'm into. And hopefully that brings them into the fold. Right. Yep. Yep. And it's you know, it's, I think it's just continuing to get more opportunities to to play, meet people, um, network and like, you know, like this has been so fun because there's literally no commitment at all. You just yeah. show up and have some beers and like, I'll teach you some games. And like what say, I found no, works really well the brewery. is oh. when someone walks in the door within two minutes, I just make sure that they are sitting down playing a game. So mm-hmm. if I'm mid turn, I'll like say, Hey, come on over here. Um, after you get your beer, I will walk you through what I'm doing and then I will play the hand with you. Um, and then like let you go, you know, and continue playing if they ca- yeah. came alone or if not, I'll jump away you know, mid mid game and teach them something quick. Um, and, and that has just been really effective to um, get, you know, generate a, a fun atmosphere. So it's almost um, all about being a good host, right? Like it's about being a good host. Yep. And, and that's the thing is like, hopefully it just kind of grows to a point where it's like, oh, well, the group is like, everyone is just a host to everyone, like uh, newcomers, right? You get enough people, regulars, and then new people come in and everyone's just like, come on in. So it's yeah, getting- that's a dream. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably good enough. A lot of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so that gives us about five minutes to go into our uh, topic of the week, oh, which man. is, I know, well, we'll we, we always go over, so we'll go over a little bit, but, um, our topic of the week is how to write a design brief. So I guess it's a good one. Start off with, um, what exactly is a design brief, Adam? Yeah. So, um, for me, this is like when we're, uh, a game design is locked or very close to locked. And I feel confident to go after artwork. And so we've yep. done the we've done the legwork. We found an artist or a few artists, and we are um, writing all of our needs um, and our wants and our you know and our vision into a document to share with the artist. Yeah. So this is um, this is going to contain things like inspiration, um, legal stuff. I mean, just kind of high level, but. Um, and this is also at the point where it's like, okay, we know who we want to be doing this. This is the, this is the, hey, this is what we want from you. Yep. So you you, you want to be able to craft this in a way that makes sense to um, a person who is, I mean, a creative versus, I mean, the legal stuff in there is important, but at the same time, you want to make sure you're getting your words across in a way that makes sense to um, the person who will be doing the work. Yeah. So, I mean, just really quick going through um, our, our Lotus um, abstract game brief here. So project inspiration, like, you know, I, I wrote a paragraph and, and, and I talked about what the game, like what the backstory of the game is. So I won't, mm-hmm. won't read the whole thing, but it says a seed find its home under the murky water and buried deep within the mud. You know, well, most life would struggle to survive this peculiar seed germinates and, and so on. Like, um, and and then like you just get like you set the tone but then you have to have some check the box items right so we have like here's the payment terms here's the budget here's the output output specs um one that one thing that's really important is the overview of the artwork scope and so just because a designer a designer or an artist has accepted um 
you know, is, is receiving this brief doesn't mean they're actually going to work on it. And so right. you need to include enough information to uh, make them understand it, to help them understand it, but not too much information to overwhelm them. Really mm-hmm. quick, some of those baseline details are like, hey, here's the box cover. Here's the size of the box cover. Here's the die line for the box cover. You know, now all of a sudden, if this person has worked on um, print games before or just digital games, like now all of a sudden, now we're all speaking the same language. We have a PDF file. We can open it. We can see what it is. That's huge. Yeah, for sure. I think um, making those requirements clear um, just saves a lot of people headache um, further down. I mean, everyone headache further down the line, right? Like just kind of saying, hey, this is, I mean, like obviously box shapes and things like that can change and but if you go from like, oh, we have this beautiful square box to this super slim rectangular box, like that's going to throw off how art fits on it. So um, trying to figure out what those things look like early on in the process can help everyone the whole way through. And, and giving someone a die line too allows them to think about things like side panels, right? Where giving them just the front cover dimensions, they're just going to paint the front cover. And now you're going to have to come up with some, some uh, design yes. that fits on the side panels. That's a very good point, right? Yeah, Other, like you have this front cover and then you go, oh, what do we do on the side here? Do we just Photoshop autofill? Hope yeah. that works. And if you have any you know, specific packaging um, uh, innovations happening here, like this is a great time to include them so that the artist uh, or the designer can um, really harness those and understand them and, and integrate them into the graphics. And so, you know, if you don't integrate structure and graphics, it looks bad. You know, it just looks, it's very, um, it's very easy to tell that that, that was a miss. Uh, mm-hmm. So here's the point where you're going to do that as well. Now, two other things I will mention is um, just outputs, output specs. Make sure you uh, clarify what these need to be. Like you want to receive a layered file from the artist. Yep. You want to be able to work on this later. You want, you want to be able to mimic their style, what they have done, and work up some graphic design details or your graphic designer wants to be able to do this. So you mm-hmm. want to make sure that you receive like a package layered file from them. Yep, flat so files you- are no good. <laughs> CMYK uh, is is also critical. So our last artist for Swordcrafters delivered all the files in RGB, and I'm like, you gotta be cra- you gotta be crapping me, man! Like this is insane. <laughs> yep. I had to do like 30, 40 hours of color correcting to just get uh, an RGB color palette back into a CMYK color palette. Now, what do I mean by this? So RGB is um, the uh, the color space that monitors will use. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will blend red, green, and blue to create color. Um, and light will, you know, create that color. Now, when things are printed in the physical sense, uh, there are two, two different types of printers. Some printers do RGB, some printers do CMYK. Yeah, everything high ends, right? Our CMYK. Everything production manufacturing, like it's not digital, will mm-hmm. be in the CMYK space, almost everything. Um, some, some, some areas may even use like spot colors, so you're not using a process cmyk um mm-hmm. to build your final color but they will actually use like hey the coca-cola red is just this red yeah um, but what cmyk means is is you're using a cyan yellow magenta and a black to actually build your final output color versus a red blue and a green so you can imagine in rgb your reds your blues your greens are super vibrant they're beautiful mm-hmm. like it's like this um blizzard style artwork you know because they don't have to print it soon as you print it in the physical world that starts to look like gray and blah so yes anyway and, and also there's no there's no magical like uh check the boxing to color correct from rgb to cmyk yeah it's a lot of just kind of going at it and saying hey does this look right it and is 
brutal work. And if you're not like good with color, um, if you can't see color really well, you know, um, you're going to have a lot of trouble with that. So just make sure your artist does it. A actually ask them to send you the package file early to make sure that their color space is set correctly, because even though they understand um, that, even though you think that they understand the brief, they may not actually be working in the right color space from the start. Yeah. And I, think I found that call, like just to kind of say, Hey, um, like maybe even put that in there. It's like, Hey, like, let's just like get things going early to kind of just like making sure we're aligning on these very baseline important things. Yeah. And, and I found too that, um, you know, a lot of artists are from other countries. Like you're going to find uh, really talented people, um, sometimes a more affordable than in the U S sometimes less affordable. But um, if there's a barrier, a language barrier between you and someone else, then like some of these details may fall through the cracks. So just make sure that you really overstate and, and really emphasize um, all of these critical check the box moments. Um, so the next one I want to talk through is workflow. So this is uh, Chris, Chris, Chris definitely plays a big part in this in art direction. So first off, we provide this brief and inspiration. Um, we always, we always run it by each other before we send it out. Mm -hmm. Art, artist comes back and provides a sketch. This is the big moment where we say, okay, what do we think? Usually it's like a sketch one, sketch two, sketch three. And we're starting to, um, you know, evaluate, evaluate what's the, what's going to be the strongest artwork play here. Artists yeah, usually will start to, the theme that do they fit what we're the inspiration that we're going for. Exactly. And, and so like, this is like, this is a great time for you as a project creator or as a, as a publisher to now get your friends feedback, get your people that have design eyes, people that have um, color eyes and um, good taste, get mm -hmm. their feedback. Right. So this is like, this is like where Chris is just, he just dominates. I just send him over stuff and he's like, no, this is what I think. And his, his wife actually is, has a really good eye for design too. So he's always running it by her as well. Yeah. I mean, just kind of finding a person that you can just go like, Hey, um, what do you think about this? And, and just kind of like, and you're also in a phase where like, you're there's no commitment to anything really so you're like okay you you could just kind of throw everything out if you need to do but um just being willing to kind of spitball and just like let them know like hey what do you think about this this is what i'm going for or just showing it to me like does this um look weird or does this look good and just kind of grabbing um as many people as you can to kind of give you some feedback um and then i think like once you identify the people who align with what you want to do um try to hit those people up a little more often than everyone else yep at that point, we're able to provide um, feedback and ask the artist to iterate on something um, or to flesh out an idea or, you know, maybe ask them to color it in a little bit to see where they're going with that. Um, we usually work in a one iteration scenario. Um, very rarely will we have multiple iterations. I think part of the reason is because our design briefs are very descript mm -hmm. uh, and we are very detailed with our inspirations and asking designers what we want. Um, within this brief, we'll also carry uh, a Pinterest board too, so the artists can really get a feel for where our heads are at when we're when we're, yep. you know, going into uh, you know going into the um, deeper into the vision of the project. Yeah, I used to work at a photo studio, and it's really interesting watching art directors work in that they just like, I mean, this was like a, a clothing place, so they just like went into magazines and like cut out pictures and like tape them all to a wall and everyone's just like this is what we want this to be like sure and, and like that's the mindset that i have is like oh if we just like find images that should help inspire someone else to kind of like push them in the direction that you want to be going 
and it sets a baseline to where the artist can say, oh, I, I, see, I understand what you mean. It's very mm -hmm. tough to communicate artwork in, in a verbal way. Yes. Yes. You know, and so it's so much easier to just send a picture and say, eh, like, circle this. This is kind of what I like. Yeah. And, and I guess uh, a, a big part of that is um, pointing out the things in a specific picture that you like. Because sometimes like if you send like a like a huge whatever, like, I don't know, a photo for something like there could be a lot going on and be like, oh, I like the color of this or I right. like the way that this person is standing or like how this person is interacting like those are the type of things that, and, and don't be afraid to like, I mean, obviously like a lot of like covers and stuff have like action poses and things like that. Like, like use the words to be descriptive of like, they are like, uh, I think for Starcraft it's like, Oh, we want to make sure they're swinging an anvil and doing this. And like, just kind of saying those words that help inspire. And the then next... I think, um, oh, go, oh, sorry, before to cut you off, I think um, you said, like you said earlier, we work on a one iteration thing and that is based off of, having a good brief and like we're like the whole purpose of this is if you put in the work up front, you're going to save yourself so much time later without the back and forth. So yep. um, put in the work early and it's worth it. Yeah. And we really haven't found ourselves in like, Oh crap moments of we got all this artwork and now we don't have anything to do with it. Um, I mean, with, a, with a small exception, like there, there have been some of those moments, but for the most part, we know the artwork that we want and we get mm -hmm. the artwork that we want. Yep. And we feel like we get pretty darn cool like high quality artwork um, that pushes yeah. boundaries too, which is cool. Yeah. And I think it's, it's not a thing where um, I, I don't feel like we've had a project where you go, Oh man, we need to go back for another piece. No, it's certainly not. It's always like, I mean, obviously art costs money. Um, and if you can get more pieces than you need, that's the ideal because you're going to find a spot for them. You're going to be like, Oh, this could go in the rule book or this could go in the back of the box or this could go on the inside side of the box like there's a lot of different places for stuff so i mean it never hurts to just kind of ask for a couple more sketches or something if if you can afford it obviously yeah and and uh affordability is always a big question i mean if you're working with some a, a top talent you know you could be um a few hundred bucks per you know or more per card art where um the, the people we try to find uh when it comes to art are the budding artists so people that don't have quite as much of a portfolio or experience, but the talent level is extremely high. Now this mm -hmm. generally means that they're not doing this full time. And this generally means that it is a little bit tougher to get final art because it just, you have to work around their life schedules, but, yeah. um, but man, you can get high value stuff doing that route. Yeah, um, for sure. I think that's a huge, um, a huge benefit is just kind of finding the artist that fits your game or the style. And then, like just find a style that you like and then start looking at artists of that style. And then you'll be able to find the person that makes the most sense to you in yeah. your project. Agreed. It's tough to, it's tough to find a style that's unique. Um, but once you find it, you know, you can really make something, make something really cool. The next section is color palettes. So we always outline some high level color palettes. We don't stick to them very tightly. And we always say that the artist has um, freedom to explore more color to mm -hmm. deliver their style because you don't want to pigeonhole an artist into a certain type of, um, you know, piece because yes. they're not able to use all the colors that they, that they would normally use. Yeah. This is a really funny one because, um, I used to be part of a skateboarding company and we would always be limited by the amount of colors because the more colors you have, the more expensive things get. Sure. Like you pay more for them. So like we're, we're doing shirts and we're doing boards and we're like, okay, three colors, four colors, like maybe four tops, like try to stay three. And it's really funny because um, I have this shirt, which I actually super love this shirt um, that 
it's it's a three color design but it's so amazing and it's kind of funny because i felt like we really limited the designer and they could have like if they just had two more colors it could have been like mind-blowing but like i still loved how it turned out sure but yeah just kind of getting that um and and i guess the moral of that story is like don't don't lock the person in like find an artist that you like and trust and to say okay I mean, they're the creative one here, right? So if you can be like, okay, this is my vision, but trust them to be creative and like run with it, like um, they're going to be empowered and they're actually going to probably like working on the project a little bit more. Yep. Um, another um, small point, but 50% payments up front, 50% after the work is complete. Um, I generally like to start off with one piece of art as the initial payment. That way I, I mitigate the risk of the initial payment. Mm-hmm. If I like what the artist has done, then I will open up the full brief uh, brief to them and we will continue to work um, and they will get that second payment um, to net it up to the 50 or whatever. And would you say that first payment, I mean, that first um, interaction is like, I mean, that's pre-designed brief. So it's kind of like a, hey, this is a couple sentences and a, like an idea and we like your stuff and we'd like to some pictures and maybe go take it after that. Right. Is that kind of how that process goes? The, the first contact is just an email or like reaching out to someone on like Behance or deviant art or art station. Um, those kind of the ones that I use recently and saying, I like your stuff. Um, I got a project. It's a board game. Are you interested? Um, I, I pay my artists, you know, like if it, it always blows my mind at how many people don't pay artists. Like, Oh, you know, man. they're probably getting so yeah. many requests saying like, oh, I want you to do this art for me, but I, I'll, I'll share, share profits with you kind of stuff. And yeah. Or that's I got a huge quiet. following. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool, dude. Yeah. Right. Um, so if you're doing that, you should j- j- definitely think about, you know, finding a, a budget and an affordable artist that you can pay because I think you're just going to have a better relationship with them. Yeah. I mean, if someone knows up front, like, what i mean and this is the purpose of the design brief right like what the expectations are what you will be receiving what they will be getting as compensation like that just makes everyone happy from the get-go and i mean obviously there can be some level of negotiation with that so um i mean we're not here to tell you how to negotiate but um just be aware that that could be something that happens sure so then we dive into um the detailed artwork scope and the each, you know, kind of each piece, like inspiration for each piece. So in general, um, the brief looks like box front, box back. Um, if there's a game board, we'll go into the game board. And then um, uh, definitely we'll, we'll, be, we'll, we'll be talking about like font or logo treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and all of these different pieces have, you know, kind of different things that you're trying to highlight. It really depends on what, what the purpose of the, the art piece is um, for you. So for instance, diving into the Lotus themed abstract game, our box front cover is just a beautiful cover. It's imaginative, um, it's, but it, it's, it's, abs- it's a little bit abstract as well. Um, it is, uh, you know, as you would expect Lotus, it is, um, uh, you know, that, I guess, like, how, how would you call the style? It's definitely like an would, Asian I mean, it's an Asian inspired, inspired themed. Yeah. Theme so it's, it's an art style. Yeah. Um, it's an Asian inspired theme and, um, I think it, like the way that we briefed that was like, okay, I mean, this is the piece of yours that we super like, and we want like something like this, and maybe here are a couple changes. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, so this one's kind of interesting because the, the, we found the artist based on this piece, and we said just do more of this, and we like it, but then focus on this a little bit more. Mm-hmm. 
box back um, is is interesting here. So one thing that's really cool about with the lotus flower is the life cycle of the lotus flower. It actually um, comes like, like I was talking about earlier. It it um, it starts in the mud. It grows up through the water. It it blooms and blossoms above the water. It drops um, its petals at that point. It drops um, its seed and then it dries up and it it kind of looks pretty gnarly and um, you know, it's like a seed pod that has a bunch of holes and it almost looks like a, a beehive uh, at the end. So it's got this really, really like so many different stages of, of beauty to it. And so I, I said, let's try to harness that and like describe almost in, in an educational way, but almost in a inspirational way on mm-hmm. the back so that people can um, see what that would look like. Yeah. And I think um, just that level of direction is going to make it much more clear for our artists to go like, oh, okay. Versus like the front, the front is like, okay, we want this, right? Like this piece that you did, here's a couple modifications, like something in this ballpark, but something like, I mean, the back of a box can sell games. I mean, obviously it does. So um, just having a little more direction on that um, can go a long way. And, and this is to, to me, this is a point where like, yes, this is an abstract game, but this is an abstract game that is, in my opinion, very well integrated into the theme. And so mechanics and theme are going to um, mesh really well. And this is a place where we can uh, portray that or just put that on display. Yeah. I mean, kind of like I was saying, you, the box is, the box is going to sell the game, making someone pick it up. Hopefully they flip it over and then you have two off, like the two opportunities to sell it to them. So um, making those two parts, a big portion of your design brief or having a decent amount explaining what you want is going to help with that. Next piece is um, uh, the die line and the inspiration for the game board. So we have a game board on this. This It's a six by six grid. Um, I focused in and took a snippet from one piece of the artist's um, work and said, I really like this part of the piece. And so I didn't even show the rest of it. I just super zoomed in and said, this is what I like. Um, and then, then gave him a die line with all the relevant details of the board on it. And then said, basically do whatever you want to do outside of that, make it awesome. Yeah, um, I think this is just another example of giving them the freedom, right? Like giving them a level of direction, but at the same time, giving our artists the ability to go, okay, I can make whatever I want here versus someone saying, oh, it has to look exactly like this. Right. Um, that can be, um, I don't say soul crushing, but, you know, just squashing creativity. And, and we gave them... Um two different games as other pieces of inspiration as well. Like um, I think it's called Tao Long and Onitama of course is in there Um, just because like that's kind of, again, that that's the ballpark that we're looking for, but we also wanted to pride those so that the artist did not use those specifically as inspiration. So it literally says we should underline and bolded. We should not mimic these grids, but instead be very original. Yes. I think that is a very good point of, also making it clear, I mean, outside of making clear what you want, making it clear what you do not want. Because um, yeah. sometimes, I mean, without making that explicit, they an artist can end up on something that looks like something else. So um, just kind of making it like, okay, it's kind of counter to what I'm saying, but a little more um, information just helps guide them in the direction that will save you some time later. Sure. Um, two more things real quick before we, we wrap the show. So, um, how how do you like what are your inspirations for the logo treatment or the font treatment so we we pasted in some like garden some japanese zen garden picture 
um, that had some cool font on it. So that looked really cool. And then um, said, hey, anything you can do to actually integrate um, the componentry or the lotus flower into that actual font or type um, typeface could be really sweet as well. Um, but again, like not really sure what to expect. Uh, so we'll mm-hmm. see what the artist comes back with. And then the final I think, piece. I was oh, gonna say, this is just an example of just hit Google images and type in words um, that you think <laughs> of with this game, right? Like, or like, I mean, type in movies, type in, I mean, there's a lot of different things that have like movies, movie posters are actually a really great inspiration from this stuff for this stuff or box covers, because I mean, it's the same thing, right? Like they're trying to get you to pick something up. So um, looking at like, oh, what font did they use? And like that type of stuff, it can be a, a really good inspiration. I, w- I will say, though, um, in, in terms of like board game boxes, I do try to stay away from those a little bit because you, you, you get into the, the rut and you're like, well, they did it. So it must work, you know, and I, I, I don't really think that um, you should be trying to make me too our work. I think. Yeah, that's, that's really funny. Cause it's really funny because you're right. Like our design, this design brief is literally it's just showing other art to kind of say, hey, don't make it look too much like this. But yeah, all of our inspiration is from outside of the board game world. Yep. Um, and then the last piece, we we added some context about what the game is. So I think this helps a, a designer or an artist, um, you know, interpret and um, bring to life the game in, in their own eyes as well. So mm-hmm. we added a, a concept of a 3D piece for the game. So a 3D component as well as um, a stock vector that we use to help model the flower portion of the 3d component and a um a google doc linked to the rule book so they can actually go check out the game and see a little bit more about it yeah i mean if possible um if you're doing someone local taking the time to play the game with them um doing a tabletop simulator with them um or even if you have a video of how the game is played attaching that stuff never hurts so they can kind of say like oh okay yes this is a link to how to play this game and like them seeing that may be some level of inspiration totally yep and and they may have a better user experience understanding of the artwork needs of the, of the game as well because if they have not played it they're not going to know the user experience needs yeah exactly so like you have a game board and you're like oh well fill this game board and it's like oh well i need to be able to see these lines well or i need to be able to do this in the game so things like that may not come through um until they kind of or may not click until they see it right Cool. Well, that is uh, that's what I had to say about a design brief. We've been um, we've had two of them go out go out in the last two weeks, so it's been uh, a lot of work. But man, these things um, they're fulfilling because now I get to start seeing. Now we we get to start seeing the awesome artwork yep. that's going to start flowing our way and just going to be. I mean, you've heard now that's what's going what this game is going to look like, but it is. I guarantee you, it's going to blow your freaking mind when you see this art. This artist is just bonkers good. So, cannot wait. Um, I can't yeah, wait. That was our 30 minute, 50 minute podcast. So thanks for everyone for hanging in there. Um, and uh, we're always on Facebook, email, um, Adam at Adam's, Adam's Apple games.com, Facebook as well. Instagram hit us up. Yep. And if you got a pitch, uh, send it Adam at Adam's Apple games.com. Cool. All right. Thanks everyone. Check them. Check them.